we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. About this series, we're going to be talking about miracles. And we're going to be going through different miracles in the Old Testament, New Testament, and talking about uh, what those mean. Um, but today, to get us started, we're going to talk about preparing for a miracle. And uh, I believe with all my heart that God is ready to do great things. Now, the greatest miracles, and, and, and I will probably say this many times during this series, is when, a, when someone's saved. That is the only miracle that doesn't have an expiration date on it. Um, miracles cease. The Bible says there comes a time when they cease. Uh, you've heard me say this. Lazarus is not still walking around. <laughs> um, he, he had to, that's a bummer, isn't it? He had to die twice. Um, so Lazarus is not walking around somewhere you know, in the Middle East saying, man, I can't wait till the Lord comes back and I can finally get some rest. No, you know, he, he, he perished again. Um, the ones that were cleansed of their uh, leprosy, which we're going to focus on that today, uh, uh, but the, the, you know, they, they, they tasted of death. Miracles have an expiration date. The only miracle that doesn't have an expiration date is when you give your heart to Jesus. Amen. And we are celebrating in, in, the Independence Day of our nation. But more importantly, we're celebrating the Independence Day from hell. Amen. Because of Jesus, I am set free. And that is my real Independence Day. And I am thankful for those that, that, that fought. But, you know, and died and gave their lives so that we can gather here in freedom and liberty to worship God. We don't, we're not restricted, but we have freedom to worship God today. So I want to talk to you just for the next few moments about preparing for a miracle. Our primary text is going to be taken for this particular message out of 1 Kings 5, but our anchor verses for the series is found in Mark. Um, and it, it's, it's Mark 16, verses 17 through 18, which simply says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not, turn, uh, will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And a lot of times we forget these verses, but these verses are found in red in your Bible. If you have a red letter edition, that means Jesus spoke these words. He's saying... Not they might, he says, and these will accompany those that please. Not, not us chasing after a miracle, but the miracles coming after those who pray the prayer of faith and believe in God. Miracles don't just happen. Look at somebody beside you and say, if you're waiting on a miracle, it's not just going to happen. Miracles are the work of God's constant intervention in our lives. Prepare yourself to receive a miracle. We have to prepare our hearts to see those things of God. We talk about seeing the, 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 the working of the Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church, and I'm all for those. As a matter of fact, if you sat into my Wednesday night class, we went through a long study on the, on the gifts of the Spirit and talking about how the fruit of the Spirit has to be present in order for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church. We talked about that for quite some time and, and wrapped that up just a few, uh, about a month or so 
ago. And, and so I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but I also believe that there are still miracles God does today, and not just miracles of salvation. I still believe He heals the sick. Amen? How many still believe He can heal the sick? I, I believe He can reverse a doctor's diagnosis. Amen? A doctor can say one thing, and God has the final say. Amen? And God works. Amen? In, in miraculous ways. I believe that when we get to heaven, if we were to look at Jesus and say, you know, I didn't see many miracles in my life, he can re he'll reveal to you all the miracles that you were unaware of that happened in your life. So miracles are a part of, uh, of, uh, of what the church should be experiencing today. We just finished up a long series of the book of Acts, went all the way through the book of Acts, and it was literally uh, uh, every other, uh, or every chapter had miracle upon miracle. Why were the miracles present? The miracles were not present so that the believers could believe. The miracles came so that the unbelievers might believe. In other words, if God performs a miracle, it is not to get you to believe in Jesus. You should already believe in Jesus. It is when he performs a miracle. A miracle is for those who do not believe the unbelieving to see. Miracles uh, seem to rarely happen a lot of times. They are the work of God's constant intervention in our lives. So how can we prepare ourselves, and that's what we're going to talk about, to receive miracles in our lives? Um, I've had the privilege to witness miracles in my lifetime, and I'm not just talking about the miracle of salvation, but I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen the, I've seen the lame walk. I've literally seen God open deaf ears. I've seen demons cast out, and I know that freaks some people out, but if demons were real during the time of Jesus, why do you think they all went back to, to sleep and they're not real today? They're very real today. And so I have seen people delivered of demonic spirits. I've seen, them, I've seen those who have mental illness healed. Amen? I've seen God bring them. As a matter of fact, I've shared with you about the, the time I walked through depression. God brought me out of that. That's a miracle. Amen? That's a miracle. God brought me out of that. I give God the glory for that. Now, the New Testament, uh, we are going to look over the next few weeks at different miracles throughout the Old and the New Testament and the significance concerning those miracles. I've not just, uh, I'm not just asking you to seek after miracles today. That's, that's not what we're seeking. I want you to seek after the miracle giver, Jesus, and realize that he, is still doing, he still does the impossible today. I believe there's a lot of Christians that don't believe God can do the impossible anymore, but I still believe God can do the impossible. We sing about it every Sunday that he makes seas into highways. He, he, he literally can do, you know, I'm believing in the God of miracles. That's what we just sang. I believe with all my heart that that is not just a cunningly devised trigger to get you happy today. I believe with all my heart in what we're singing, what we're preaching, that God still does the amazing, the miraculous, and the impossible in our lives today. I still believe that. Amen. Now I want us to turn to 1 Kings 5, and we're going to read, this is going to take us a little time, but we're going to read through this, and then we're going to jump right into our message today. <coughs> now, Naaman, commander of the armies of Syria, was a great man with his master and in uh, high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper, okay? Uh, need to mark that very first part. He was a great man, but he had a problem. He, he had leprosy. Now, the Syrians, on, the other hand, uh, on, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in service 
service of Naaman's wife. In other words, she was a slave. The Bible's being polite there, but she was a slave. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is, who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Now Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus uh, and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to, sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of, lep of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. In other words, the king of Israel thought this is some kind of ruse because I'm not God. Amen. That's, a, that's one of the first things that we got to realize. None of us are God. I can't do miracles. I can't, I can't perform those. It takes God to do those. That's what he was saying. He said, so evidently he's trying to pick a fight with me. But verse 8 goes on to say, but when Elisha, uh, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king of Israel saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. And uh, so Naaman came uh, with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha, uh, 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 Elisha sent a, a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. Everybody say angry. Naaman was angry and went, went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God. Now notice the language there, the Lord his God, not my God, but his God. Naaman was a heathen. Everybody say he's a heathen. All right, he was. He was a heathen. So call on his God and wave his hand over me and place uh, 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 over the place and cure the leper. And uh, are not uh, uh, Banana and uh, Fapara rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Okay, he was mad. But, the, but his servant came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has, uh, has actually said to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the Lord, uh, the uh, word of uh, the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was cleansed. Now, I know we read a lot of verses there, but I promise you we're going to get somewhere this morning. Naaman is a uh, desperate man. First of all, he is a desperate man, and, and he, is, uh, he has an incurable problem. He has a problem that only God can deal with. He has something that is impossible for him to handle on his own. He needs the help of God. So that's number one. This is a situation that is not something he can take care of. He, he has leprosy, and leprosy, by the way, uh, a lot of people don't realize leprosy still exists. We now know that leprosy is a disease of the nerves. It, it literally attacks the nerves. The nerves 
almost become dead, and so someone can get a scratch on them, and they don't realize that the nerves are dead, so, or, and they don't feel the scratch, they don't feel the pain. Infection sets in, and what actually causes the flesh to rot away is called gangrene. A gangrene sets in, and it kills, uh, and so they don't get the treatment they need, and that is the disease of leprosy. And so when you know, a lot of people think it was just grievous sores. Those sores came because they were untreated, because they could not feel the injury or they couldn't feel the hurt. So Naaman was afflicted by leprosy. Leprosy was one of the most horrifying diseases, still one of the most horrifying diseases that you can, you can contract. But it was especially horrible in the days of, uh, uh, of Naaman because you became an outcast. You became uh, uh, someone that no one wanted anything to do with because uh, they, they felt like you got leprosy. If you were around lepers, you're going to get leprosy. They know a lot different today, but this was in ancient times. A person with leprosy didn't have much of a future. It was a very painful disease as it ate away the flesh and it literally uh, caused them to die piece by piece. It, was, it had social consequences, psychological consequences, and physical consequences. This disease affected every part of Naaman's life. It didn't matter how much money he had. didn't matter how much fame he had. We know he had both, amen? Uh, but but he, uh, he was an outcast because of it. A leper finds himself alienated and ostracized by, the, by their society. All, and all the while, his body aches from the, uh, the, from the process as all of this begins to slowly take place and you lose limbs and extremities. Naaman needed a miracle. Amen, don't you think? Naaman needed a miracle. He's got a problem, a big problem. He had an issue that could not be resolved by money, fame, or, or, or those who liked him or those who thought well of him, and it surely could not be resolved by the false gods in which he served and prayed to in, in Syria. Could not be. All right? He had an issue that could not be resolved. That's the first thing you need to know about a miracle. All of God's miracles have one thing in common, and you know what that is? They start with a problem. Ask somebody, say, you got a problem? Amen. Uh, all of God's miracles start with a problem. They start with a diagnosis. They start with, with, with uh, 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 an accident. They start with a situation. Uh, some of us, we need financial miracles. It starts with a bad decision sometimes on our part, and then we have consequences. We need a miracle in our lives. Some of us, we have family situations we need God to work out. We need a miracle in our lives. So it starts with a problem. Naaman had an enormously big problem in his life. Now, how many of uh, here this morning have problems? How many of you are dealing with things that you cannot solve on your own or you're trying to solve on your own and you're not able to do it? Maybe your problem is sitting right next to you. Be careful. Be careful. All right. Don't tell the truth. <laughs> you know, don't tell the truth right now. You better hold on to that. You have a problem. I have a problem. All of God's children get problems. Just because we're saved does not mean that we don't go through things and we don't face problems and situations. We all have problems. Now, let's, let's, let's continue on. All the miracles you read about in the Bible have one thing in common. They all start with problems or a need. They, there's the starting point. These are starting points for God to take action. If you don't have any problems, then you don't need God. If you never walked through a trial, you would never need God. If you didn't go through situations in this world, you would not acknowledge God. You say, oh, yes, I would. I promise you, after time, we would begin to take God for granted if we never faced any situations where we needed God to show up. Come on. 
How many of us have faced something this week we need God to show up in? Amen? We need God to be present in. All right. At least three of us. The rest of us, y'all good. Okay. We all have situations that we need God to show up with. Now, I'm going to give you, uh, the first thing Naaman did with his problem was this. He admitted it. He admitted he had a problem. Naaman was willing to look at the things for what they were, not what he wished they were, but what he was willing to acknowledge. He brought his problem into the light. And this is where I believe why we don't see a lot of miracles today is because Christians are great at hiding their stuff. Christians are great at trying to portray that we're okay when we're not. Because somehow we got in our heads that if I'm saved, if I'm a man or woman of God, then I should be without, without flaw. But the truth is, you're full of flaws, I'm full of flaws, and we have to admit, if we want a miracle, we have to admit the problem. The first thing that Naaman had to do is admit that he had a problem. Many of us find this a very difficult step to take, and I believe that's why you're not seeing a miracle. Because we privately pray for an answer, but we publicly put on a charade. Come on. We publicly put on a charade. We don't like to admit that we have problems. We would rather pretend that our problems don't exist. We falsely think that if we don't acknowledge it, it will go away. Anybody like me? All right. That's not there. <laughs> That's, that's not happening. That's not, we, it's not going away if I don't bring it to acknowledgement. Amen? I have to acknowledge it. In other words, uh, uh, this is one of the major things that holds us back. We, we are confronted with them, but we don't want to acknowledge them. Uh, we, we kindly advocate uh, a strategy of blaming others sometimes. We blame others for our problems. We blame others for what's going on in, in our lives. And some things are happening to us that are not of our doing. But there's a lot of things that, that, that are. And we have to acknowledge our part in that. We get defensive or we just plain denial. That's not happening. That's not real. That's not, not there. Step two, after we acknowledge this, listen. Uh, Naaman, let, let's, let me, before I get to step two, let me finish this. Naaman, however, was far more realistic in other words, he was, not, he was beyond the denial stage. He knew he couldn't deny it anymore. He, he was beyond that. Evidently, his leprosy, because I, you know, most lepers would hide their leprosy at the beginning or on the onset of leprosy. Why? Because it meant uh, desocialization. It meant being exiled from the community. And so probably for a while, he hid what was going on in his life, but it got to the point where he couldn't hide it anymore. And so now his household knew about it. Now this little slave girl knew about it. And the little slave girl was there by God's design. Don't you know that? Well, you say, oh, God allowed her to be taken into slavery. I don't know when we're going to get this out of our head. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn to good. This little girl was taken into slavery, not by God's design. But God said, since she has been, I can use her. I can use her. And so she was placed in Naaman's life by, by grand design. His problem was so bad, he couldn't escape it. Uh, uh, it changed his appearance and threatened his career. He could not deny it. Everything, uh, everybody knew now that Naaman had a problem. Realizing his predicament, Naaman resolved to do something about it. If you want to see a miracle in your life, if you want to see a miracle in your family, you've got to make up your mind to acknowledge the problem. And then step two, you've got to be willing to do something about it. Look at somebody next to you and say, you got to be willing to do something. you got to be willing to take hold of it and do something. The second step is the process of preparing yourself for a miracle is doing something. 
<coughs> you see, Naaman was not, will, not, not only willing to admit his problem, but he had gotten to the point where he is willing to do something about it, even something radical, if that's what it took to fix the issue. So I'm going to walk us through some of the radical steps that Naaman took towards getting his problem solved and, and receiving a miracle from God. The first thing that he did was he took advice from a woman. Some of us don't want to listen to our wives. And, and sometimes we need to listen. Amen? We need to listen to it. First thing he did is he listened to a woman. He said, that, 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 that's, I don't know about that. That's common. No, it's not common. Not in this society. In this society, women didn't have a status. They, they were there to do two things, run the household and bear children. That's it. And Naaman listens to his wife, says, hey, this little slave girl from, from, from Israel, you better listen to her because she said there's an answer waiting for you there. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We better listen to those who God positions in our lives who love and care about us because they could be pointing you towards your miracle. They may not even be knowing it at that time, but they could be pointing you towards the answer God has for you. Learn to listen and, and do something about it. So the first thing he did was he listened to his wife. He listened to what she had to say, and more importantly, he listened to what this little slave girl had to say. But he was willing to do those radical steps. In other words, <coughs> he said, I want to fix the problem. I need a miracle, so I will be willing to, to take that step. I'm going to listen to my wife, what she's saying to me. I'm going to listen to those who love. So he took advice from a woman. That, that in itself was a miracle in this society. You know, it's a pretty big miracle when you begin to listen to those around you. In other words, we got to listen. She had, now, she had some wisdom. So Naaman receives everything she has to say. This is an enormous step for any man to take. Just go on a trip with a man and tell him to stop and ask for directions. All right? That, come on, men. I need some amens. Amen. Well, we are terrible at taking advice. We are terrible at taking, you know, especially, you know, you know, why don't you stop and ask? Or you need to go this way. No, I don't. I need to do that. No, no, no. I know where I'm going, you know. A two-hour trip takes eight hours, but, you know, you got there. All right? You plan that. You're like God. You want the scenic route. All right? Y'all need to loosen up this morning. Amen. Naaman had to listen, and he had to take enormous steps in order to do this. In other words, he listened to those around him, and he took advice from those around him. So the first thing Naaman does is take that good advice, and then he acts upon it. He will listen to what others say and are saying. In other words, you need to take, you need to take action and listen to those around you. And then the third thing that we find is that he not only listened, but then he acted upon what advice he was given. As, in, as it turns out, Naaman listened to the advice that was given to him, and he acted upon it. How many times have we not acted upon the advice we're given? All right? How many of you have been to the doctor, and the doctor tell you what you need to do to try to get better or improve yourself, and you're like, okay, I, need, I hear you, and then you get out and you don't do it? Anybody besides me? Don't do what the doctor says. Okay, thank you for being honest. Me and Doug, y'all pray for us. We need help. Okay. In other words, we need to listen to the, to the advice we're given if we want to see a miracle. How many of you want a miracle in your life? How many of you know somebody needs a miracle in your life? Folks, we've got to take some action if we want to see God move. 
We need to listen and we need to act upon it. Okay? So he, t- he turns out Naaman takes that advice and he listens to it. And he starts moving up the chain of command to secure the permission he needs to leave the country and visit Elisha. He requests, his request makes it all the way to the commander-in-chief, to, uh, uh, to the king. And when the king receives his request, he jumps at the chance to see this great valor, this great man of valor be healed. He says, sure, you go, I'll make the arrangements. It's one thing when you try to make the arrangements. Now the king's making the arrangements for him, the king of Syria. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Naaman was willing to do whatever he needed to do to see an answer to his problem, to receive the miracle that he needed in his life. And I think the church gives up when God says, okay, I want to do a miracle in your life, and here's what you need to do. And we will humble ourselves to listen and then take action. And so there's a lot of times we don't see a move of God. Let me just say this. The Bible says if there are any sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. Let them be anointed with oil. Let them the prayer, the effectual prayer of a righteous man will availeth much. But yet we sit back sick and we don't call on the church. In other words, we get the advice from the word of God, but we don't take action. We got to learn to take action if we want to see a miracle. In other words, step three, after, we have, have, after we've done all of this, is to do what? To be willing to sacrifice. Naaman's willingness to sacrifice further establishes the groundwork for a miracle. In other words, I've shared this with you all the time. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but look, before you'll ever have a crown, there's a cross to bear. Amen. We, you know, we want a crown, but we don't want to bear a cross. We, 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 want, to see, we want to see God move, but not, we're not willing to die, on that, uh, die daily, as Paul said we need to, in order for Christ to live through us. That takes some effort on our part. That takes some sacrifice on our part. I, I don't know, but I feel like there's a spirit that has entered the churches in America, especially where we think we can just sit back and God will just keep pouring it out. But I'm telling you, God is looking for a church that will listen, take action, and see God do some things that he wants to do. Amen. But we got to take action. Naaman was willing to sacrifice in order to see the groundwork laid for this miracle. Naaman gathered up all of his belongings, gold, silver, ten sets of clothes, and a whole entourage of people, chariots, horses, and he set out on a journey hoping to receive a miracle. Listen, this is an unbeliever. This is a man that doesn't even believe in the God of Israel. He's desperate. I want you to know there's a desperate world that doesn't even confess Jesus as their Savior. They're needing a miracle in their life, but yet they're they're, and they're desperate, but they're hearing nobody say, hey, it's here. He spares no expense. He refuses to hold back nothing. Naaman was willing to give everything in his possession to see an answer, a miracle in his life. He was willing to pay any price, give any gift, make any sacrifice. Nothing would, would he hold back. Naaman laid it all on the line. If you want to see miracles happen in your life, you must be willing to, be, to, to sacrifice. Nothing happens without sacrifice. You say, well, Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. I don't have to do anything. But Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. So there's still a sacrifice God wants. He don't want no dead sacrifice. He wants living, breathing people who are willing to say, God, here's my pride. I sacrifice it before you. Here's everything that's holding me back from seeing miracles in my family. 
whatever I need to do. Naaman lays it all on the line. You need a financial miracle, be willing to sacrifice and discipline yourself to receive it. Me and Tina used to direct a marriage, marriage retreat. Uh, in, it was a statewide thing. And um, we invited a guy there who had a surefire way to get people out of debt. And everybody was so excited about that workshop. But when he began to present his plan of how you can get out of debt, you saw notebooks closing. Because nobody wanted to pay the price. His family went five years without any cable TV. They went five years without things that we think are necessities. And afterwards, I told him, I said, I appreciate you coming. That was great. And you know what he looked at me and said? He said, we went without those things for five years, but I just paid for a truck cash. He said, we owe no man nothing. He said, what's five years of sacrifice to be free of owing any man nothing. But people weren't willing to pay that price. Amen. Amen. I didn't buy my truck cash. I'll tell you where I was at. Amen. We still got TV at our house. You need a miracle, be willing to discipline yourself and, 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 and sacrifice. You need a marriage miracle, <laughs> then you have to be willing to, to, willing to put some other things aside in order to make time and make your marriage a priority. Come on. I know a lot of people want to fix their homes. They want to fix their marriage. They're like, well, we're not bad, but we're not as close as we used to be. Where's your priorities? It won't happen until you're willing to sacrifice something. You need a physical miracle. You, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Don't just stay at home and pray. How many times we pray, God, I need to feel better. God, I want to feel better. And God gave us common sense. And by the way, we live in, uh, you know, and, and I'm not giving man the credit for this. You know what? Uh, I, there used to be a time when people, I, I believe the charismatic movement, it was check your brain at the door. Because, you know, it, you're not trusting God if you take a Tylenol. Guess what? God gave man knowledge for that medicine. I don't give man credit for nothing. I give God credit because without God, man would never have tapped into that knowledge. So it's all to his glory. It's all to, to him that we praise him. Amen? Some of, the, some of the things that we deal with today could not be cured 20 years ago or 10 years ago. I'm not giving man the credit for that. I'm giving God the glory for that. Amen? Amen. But we got to help ourselves. I can't expect to be better if I'm not willing to do what is common sense and what, is, what the Lord has provided before me. If I've got a physical need, yes, God can heal me divinely, but I still may need to do my part. Let me remind you of, those, of Naaman. Naaman still had to go wash in the River Jordan. He still had to be willing to do what God said in order to be healed. God didn't just speak it. What did Naaman want? Naaman wanted, no, he wanted to pay for his answer. I brought everything I've got. I've got gold. I've got silver. I've got whatever I need to give in order to obtain what God has for me. And God says, I don't want that. I want your obedience because I would rather have your obedience than anything else. Go wash in the River Jordan. And what does he do? He gets mad. The Bible says he leaves in a rage. Mad. Upset. Because he's like, we got better rivers at home, cleaner rivers at home. I could have done this at the house. <laughs> 
But God is looking for some people who are willing to sacrifice so that miracles can happen and the world will know that he alone is God. You see, the one reason God will do a miracle is so he's going to make sure nobody gets credit but him. He's going to give you that breakthrough so that he gets the glory, he gets the honor, and that the lost and dying world around us will see that God is God. God helps those who help themselves, you would say, is the point of this sermon. I'm going to tell you, no, it's not. The point of this sermon is God helps those who are willing to make a sacrifice and do things his way and not their way. In other words, Naaman's way was, I'll sacrifice everything I own. God's way was, sacrifice your pride. I don't want your money, I want your pride. Pride is keeping a lot of people from miracles. You remember the story of the five loaves and fishes found in Mark? This was the only miracle Jesus performed that was recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only miracle is in all four Gospels. That's how important it was. Jesus is teaching a multitude of hungry people. And all of a sudden he takes five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he gives lunch to the whole crowd. And the whole crowd is, is filled. And there's, there's remnants left over. Five baskets of the remnants left over. How did Jesus... Uh, now Jesus uh, needed the five loaves and the two fish. No, Jesus didn't need the five loaves and the fishes to feed the crowd. This was God. He could have caused manna to rain down in the wilderness. He could have done anything he wanted to to feed the crowd. What was the lesson behind this? Sometimes in order to see the miraculous, we have to give to him what seems mundane. Sometimes to see the miraculous, we have to offer to God the ordinary. Sometimes to see the miraculous, I have to offer him something that seems insignificant and, and not even useful. All we got is five loaves of bread and and, and, and we think of loaves of bread, American style, you know, big, no. They were probably small cakes of bread. All we got is this. That's all I got. You see, some of us, life has, has, we're in such need of a miracle, we've exhausted ourselves. We think all I got left is not enough. But I'm here to tell you, when it comes into the hands of the master, it can perform a miracle that will be recorded throughout the ages. God is ready to do great things, but we got to give him what we got. we got to offer him what we got. Amen. Amen. He took what little bit the boy had and he multiplied it. God typically uses what you already possess to perform a miracle. The key here is sacrifice. Naaman was, uh, had to be willing to sacrifice more than just his finances. A different kind of sacrifice is what God required. Now, as many of you know, sacrifice comes in many ways. Naaman here had put the ultimate, uh, put, uh, the ultimate test. Little did he know that what he had brought was not what God required. When he meets up with the prophet Elijah, a messenger uh, gave him detailed instructions. Go bathe in the river Jordan seven times and you will be cured and your flesh restored. Seven times, Elisha said. In other words, this angered him. This is not what he wanted to hear. He says, why couldn't he not come out and just waved his hand over the leprosy and called on his God, again, his God, and it be cured. I've got cleaner rivers at home. He leaves mad. He leaves in a rage. He leaves angry. 
Why did he get angry? I'm going to tell you why he got angry. It's a little word that's holding back revival from the church. It's holding back a move of God like we've never seen before. And it's called pride. We have got to, cry, got to crucify pride to the cross of Christ and begin to obtain what we need from him. Because it's only when our pride dies that the move of God can truly happen. And miracles can be released. He got angry because of his pride. Elijah asked him to do something that required him to humble himself. Elijah asked him to do something that was going to cost him more than just his wealth. He had to dip seven times in a dirty river. Amen. I want you to think about that. You, you're needing a healing from the Lord and you, you, know, you come... You come I'll just make myself the prophet for today. You come to me and you say, Pastor, I need to talk to you, and I won't even come to the door. I send Paige out or Peyton out. Pastor said, if you want to be healed, go dip in the Chattooga River seven times. And you're like, well, I got a swimming pool at the house. I can't do it there. It's cleaner. You want me to dip seven times with these open sores and this infection in my body? Do you not know what that dirty water and those parasites will do to me? I want you to think about that. He had to humble himself. He had to position himself to say, whatever God asks, I'm willing to do it. Whatever God requires, I'm willing to do it. Listen, folks, how bad do you want to see a move of God in your life and in your family? Then you must position yourself to do what God asks. Some of us, pride is keeping us from a great move of God, revival in our family. Some of us are worried about our kids, or at least we should be worried about our kids, but we're not going to see revival in our children till we're willing to do whatever God asks. Whatever He asks. Amen. Naaman was angry because he couldn't see how a dirty river could cleanse an incurable disease. How do you get into a dirty river and come out clean? So he got mad and walked out in a huff. The Bible says that he was in a rage over the whole thing. You see, not only was God dealing with Naaman's physical disease, but he was also dealing with the spiritual disease of his life. God is not into making your body well and that be the end of it. He is always concerned about the condition of your heart. And Naaman was a very proud man that needed to learn the lesson of humility. God was calling him to make a sacrifice greater than just money. In fact, it is, it is said by some theologians that he had the equivalent of $10 million on him, or $1.5 million on him. I want you to think about that. $1.5 million was what he brought with him to purchase his healing. And God says, I don't need it. I don't want it. I want you. It took some time and Naaman came around. But Naaman came back to his senses and dipped, in the, and dipped his diseased body in a dirty river seven times. And when he took the plunge the seventh time, he came up with skin like a child. I want you to hear me today. It may take a time that you have to be willing to dip yourselves in the blood of Jesus. I've never understood because I've got a blood stain on me before and it's hard to get blood stains out. But I've never understood how we can be dipped into the blood of Emmanuel that is dripped from his body and poured in his body and come out white as snow. But all I know is it happens every single time a sinner comes to Jesus. We are washed in blood and we come out white as snow. I don't understand how that works. All I know is it does work and God is ready to do it again. Amen. God's ready to save, deliver, and heal. 
Step, step, step four, we're almost done. Be open to change. You must be willing to see the supernatural intervene in your life. You must be willing for, to see change. When miracles happen, nothing stays the same. Old things pass away. New things come about. Miracles have a way of changing our habits, our attitudes, and our lifestyle. One of the changes that took place immediately in Naaman was his attitude towards worship. Naaman, uh, Naaman's whole concept towards worship was dramatically changed for the better. And instead of worshiping many gods, he realized there there was only one God. So this total non-Jewish guy, this heathen as we called him in the very first part of this sermon, is totally convinced that all other worship was in vain. He proudly proclaims in verse 15, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. I'll worship him. I'll praise him. He's going to be my God because all the rest were unable to do anything because they're false and they're untrue. Some of us are trying to get answers. We're trying trying to get a miracle through something else besides God. But if we'll surrender to him today, this God will come on the scene and he'll change your attitude to worship when he comes through for you. Amen. The last step I'll share with you today is simply this. We've got to learn to look for the unexpected. Amen. God performs miracles in his way, not ours. Did you, did you catch that this morning? He does it his way, not our way. God has miracles, a miracle-working agenda that he wants to perform in your life. But he's never going to do it on your schedule. He's never going to do it on your timetable. He's going to do it so when he wants to, the plan is, will you keep your faith and be willing to dip seven times if that's what it takes? Will you be willing to do whatever he asks? The miracles may come, uh, come in a way we never thought they would come. Come on. You ever had God bring an answer to something you're praying about in a way you never dreamed he'd bring that answer? Come on. In other words, you're looking for it to happen this way, and God comes a total different direction, but it's still a miracle. We've got to quit anticipating how and just start expecting, do it, God, when? Mm. We just got to start living our lives in expectation of a move of God. If you don't expect it, it ain't going to happen. God is God and we are not. Amen? And sometimes he chooses to work in ways that we never would choose to work in. In all my thinking, I would have never dreamed of feeding thousands with five loaves of bread. Amen? And two fish. In all my ways of thinking, I would have never dreamed about spitting on the ground, making mud and rubbing it in a man's eyes and saying, go wash. In all my ways of thinking, if I'd have been writing this story, I'd have had the prophet walk out and really put on a show. Come on. And Naaman be healed in a miraculous way, visibly to everyone around me. But you know what that does? That brings man glory, not God. Think about that. When God comes in a direction you haven't been praying, but still brings the miracle. Amen. I had somebody come to me, they were praying for a financial miracle in their family. And then a few weeks later, they came to me complaining that they were getting a lot of overtime. And when they started complaining about the overtime, I just said, well, praise God. What do you mean, praise God? And they're working me to death. Didn't you ask God to help you with a financial miracle? I think they thought an angel was going to hover down and write them a check. 
God moves in ways that we don't count on sometimes. Are you looking for an answer this morning? Quit worrying about how he does it. And just begin to praise him because you know it's coming in his way and in his time. Will you stand? We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.